Psalm 112, if you care to know, is week 178, hour 123, month 41. Father in heaven, as always, we pray for your blessing over the service this morning to clear our minds, to fill us with your spirit, to wash away our sins. We are weak people, Lord. We are flawed, sinful, unworthy, unclean. But thankfully, you've drawn us to you. You've given us a new heart and a desire and a will to walk with you, to serve you, to represent you. Please bless the service today, bless our outreach, and we ask you to be with us now for Jesus' sake. Amen and amen. Amen. So Psalm 110 was seven verses, 111 was ten. Today's will be ten, next week will be nine, the following week will be eight. Short psalms, but loaded with doctrine. And uh, as always, we approach these recordings uh, with a humble spirit and a desire to go deep into thy word, O Lord. Let's break down Psalm 112, if we may. Praise ye the Lord. Alleluia. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments scripture says the commandments are not grievous go to philippians 2 first of all and uh, jesus would say if you love me keep my commandments and uh first john speaks about uh the two main commandments that we are interested in for this dispensation praise you the lord blessed happy is the man that feareth the lord fear the lord is the beginning of wisdom that delighteth greatly in his commandments not just delights but delights greatly in his commandments philippians 2 philippians 2 and look at verse 12 wherefore my beloved as ye have always obeyed not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling that gets cited by our charismatic friends to suggest you have to do something to get saved something to stay saved and always miss out the following verse for it is god which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure and also from this same book chapter 1 verse 5 being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it on the day of jesus christ go back to psalm 112 praise you the lord amen Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, not just a reverential fear, which you read in the Schofield reference Bible, but say real fear. You should be terrified of the Lord, but you should be fearful of him. You should be mindful of his awesome, his reverence, his holiness, his uh, unchangeableness, his immutable at, uh, attributes, and that should really encourage you to walk closer with him. Praise you the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. That delighteth greatly in his commandment. Go to uh, Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. And uh, pick it up in 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, new man of course. Scripture says the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. This is a real battle that all believers fight on a daily basis. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, the new man, born again. But I see another law in my members, hands, feet, eyes, toes, stomach, mouth, so on and so forth. 
warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members fighting the old man the new man clashing all the time O wretched man that I am present tense who not what should live me from the body of this death I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh the law of sin go back to Psalm 112 that is the battle that all believers go through and just very briefly as a footnote to that there's two views to uh, the old man and the new man and if you are holiness Christian you'll argue that uh, Romans 7 is aimed at Paul before he was saved which makes no sense whatsoever an unsaved man doesn't battle the flesh an unsaved man doesn't have trouble uh, dealing with this or that but if you are saved you will struggle and you'll struggle every moment of every day you're told to put the old man down the other view is a view that we hold to that Romans 7 is aimed at the believer today after he or she has been saved praise ye the Lord amen like I say hallelujah blessed is the man that feareth the Lord men or woman makes no difference that delighteth greatly in his commandments in the context the Old Testament the Ten Commandments the 600 plus testaments found in the Old Testament for the New Testament believe on the Lord Jesus Christ first John chapter 3 and love your neighbor as yourself and a few weeks ago we looked at uh, Mark 12 and uh, Matthew 22 where Jesus says love the Lord thy God with your heart mind soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself this is the whole duty of the law but of course be careful with that because that's aimed at the Jews under the law you can't get saved following those two commandments let's keep moving on 112 verse 2 his seed shall be mighty upon earth the generation of the upright shall be blessed go to Genesis chapter 30 please Genesis chapter 30 uh, 30 and uh, pick it up in verse 13 and Leah said happy am I for the daughters shall call me will call me blessed 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 among women and she called his name Asher Leah said happy am I that's what the term blessed means happy happy am I, happy am I for the daughters of me or the daughters that will come the daughters will call me blessed blessed and she called him Asher so you got, this goes back to Jacob having four wives two of her sisters others were concubines and of course a problem I would follow Jacob all of his life four women 12 13 children that's one of the reasons why you don't want to be have, have, have uh, more than one wife and Leah said happy am I for the daughters will call me blessed blessed and she called his name Asher go back to Psalm 112 2 again his seed shall be mighty upon earth in the context going back to those that fear the Lord verse 1 the generation of the upright the righteous the redeemed shall be blessed uh, if you follow in the, in the footsteps of a saved relative and you walk closely with the Lord uh, you can claim this verse for yourself and if you don't you can't verse 3 wealth and riches shall be in his house that's a tricky one the prosperity people like to run to this verse to teach uh, wealth and uh, prosperity course that's a tricky passage to that's a uh, that's a flawed argument or that's a bad way to approach this particular text wealth and riches shall be in his house and his righteousness endureth forever go to Isaiah uh, let's see now Isaiah 
Isaiah 9. Back, yeah, go to Isaiah 9 first of all. Now in the Old Testament it's slightly different how, to how it is to the New Testament. In the Old Testament you had a theocracy which we know very well. And in the Old Testament you could, you could pray for your enemies to be destroyed. Which in the New Testament you wouldn't be able to do so. In the Old Testament if you kept the law as best as you could. You were blessed and you were given more access to the land. You were more prosperous going back to Abraham and uh, Lot carving up the land. But of course for the New Testament you're not promised that at all. In fact, you're promised suffering, uh, poverty, and even a premature death. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. Those that fear the Lord, of course. Verse 1. Those that are mighty upon earth. Those whose generation shall be upright. Verse 2. And his righteousness endureth forever. Now, it's double application in the first aspect of that is in reference to... Uh, the seed which is blessed that walks the Lord, but ultimately in reference to the Lord's righteousness. Isaiah 9, Isaiah 9, uh, pick it up in verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon a throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So righteousness in 112.3 cross reference that back to Isaiah 9 verses 6 to 7 and you've got judgment and justice which is what righteousness is in this historical context. Go to Exodus 34. Exodus 34. And uh, look at verse 6. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Keep mercy for thousands. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. And upon the children's children. Unto the third and to the fourth generation. This is a very typical theme for the Old Testament. Going back to the land, number one. What uh, would be relevant for those living on the land. If they walked with the Lord. If they forsook the Lord. Uh, the crops wouldn't come in the harvest wouldn't be plentiful there'd be great poverty great suffering again looking at a theocracy which will take place again during the thousand year reign for today that's not how things work for us keep your hand in, in uh, Exodus 34 and go back to Psalm 112 let's go script for scripture 112.4 unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness he is gracious and full of compassion and righteousness because Christ is the light of the world and back to Exodus 34 and the Lord passed by before him Moses of course and proclaimed he's now going to proclaim something about himself this goes back to Revelation if God didn't tell us X Y and Z we'd be clueless who he is what he is the purpose of life and he is mindful to reveal himself to us and he has done that through both testaments the Lord one true Lord, the Lord God, 
the Most High, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, that's a great text, Paul speaks about that in Romans chapter 2, long-suffering, and abundance, like more than enough, in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, reserving mercy for thousands, you think of a courtroom, you think of a decent judge who has a level of grace or mercy reserved for the penitent sinner, go back to the 1960s, an American court was in place in New York and a local uh, vagabond, a local homeless guy was brought into the courtroom for stealing and the judge heard the case and he said to uh, the courtroom, he said I'm going to fine this man $55, whatever it was, and 64 and uh, he got out, got up from the bench, walked down to the clerk, paid the $50 fine, went back to the bench, said bang, 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 I'm going to fine the court or the state for allowing a man to be to to, put, to allow a man or to create a system in place where a man would have to beg to survive. I'm going to find the state of New York a hundred dollars, <laughs> and he you know, got his judges what they, what's that? gavel, banged it on the you know his bench and sat down again. That's a picture of grace. We break the law of the Lord; He pays it for us, uh, and then He issues a fine because we broke the law in the first place. It's a it's a wonderful way of doing it, really keep mercy for thousands because most don't want it most don't need it most will reject it forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin this is under the old testament their sins were uh covered but not cleared until christ dies and paid for our sins and that will by no means clear the guilty those that won't bend the knee that will not repent visiting that's a pretty powerful word visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children if they don't repent they'll suffer the consequences going back to south america central america middle east all these pagan lands statues on the wall uh, this and that the kaaba is it the kaaba in saudi arabia throwing the uh, stuff at the throwing stones at that black rock all that stuff and upon the children's children third generation and to the third and to the fourth generation devastating go back to psalm 112 let's keep reading through this beautiful psalm a good man showeth favor and lendeth christ said it's good to it's more good to you're more blessed to give than to receive he was always giving christ and if you can you should give a good man showeth favor and lendeth he will guide his affairs with discretion. He won't blow his trumpet and say, hey, look at me, everybody. I've just given this or that to such and such a person. May have been a few months ago. A terrible incident took place in Hawaii. And uh, a couple of famous Americans went down and put a video online and were asking for donations for those people caught in that incident, you know, that awful fire. Was it a fire? What, an earthquake? Was it a fire? Mm. Fire. Yeah. and uh, people said I'll give this and I'll give that and of course the old phone started to ring people broadcast what they were going to give you don't broadcast it you just give and let, you know, let, let it be the end of it sort of a thing and after a while the video backfired and they took it down that's not what you do if you give just give and forget about it don't make a big song or dance about it a good man showeth favour and lendeth there's 50 there's 100 150 that's 200 just lend it and let it be he will guide his affairs with discretion that's the whole point this particular text don't broadcast it back in the early church the Christian community were always suffering terribly and Paul would travel around Europe and 2nd Corinthians is a great book to go to to read when it comes to people uh, in need of support during the first century and 
you have poor people giving to poor people which puts the wealthy in a very bad light look at verse 6 surely he shall not be moved forever the righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance wonderful passage dealing with the reality that if you are discreet if you're generous if you fear the Lord if your seed is upright if you appreciate his righteousness you can claim these passages for yourself surely he shall not be moved forever steadfast strong and solid unmovable unshakable the righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance from the standpoint of heaven from the standpoint of glory uh, God is mindful of the righteous and God has a great love for those that belong to him he's not winning he's not winning any should perish but how all should come to repentance everlasting remembrance from the standpoint of heaven more so than on earth he's not be afraid of evil tidings bad news his heart is fixed again it's steadfast it can't be moved trusting in the lord go to daniel chapter one and we are working through daniel at the moment getting a great blessing from that book and daniel chapter one daniel chapter one and uh, look at verse eight but daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself and that's what we want to understand uh, for this morning his heart is established he's not be afraid he'll stand strong until he sees until he see his desire upon his enemies go to hebrews chapter 13 please uh, hebrews chapter 13 so there's a difference between the old testament and the new and those that say they're not dispensationalists are incorrect you have to be a dispensationalist otherwise you become a heretic uh, the old testament isn't for us and the new testament wouldn't have been for them you have to rightly divide the word of truth otherwise this book doesn't make any sense to you he should not be afraid of evil tidings bad news his heart is fixed trusting in the lord continually trusting in the lord his heart is established if the lord has your heart he has you if he doesn't he doesn't own you he doesn't belong to you don't belong to him or if you are saved but your heart is cold then of course you are worthless to the lord he should not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies again the context is different his desire upon his enemies you're told to pray for your enemies you're told to turn the other cheek there's a major difference with old testament righteousness new testament righteousness old testament uh, conduct new testament conduct i mean paul was left for dead many a time and he didn't once put out a weapon and go after his enemies he took it on the chin both chin on both sides of his face but he took it on the chin many a time but for the old testament you could put out a sword and uh, decapitate your enemy so be careful when you write to divide the word of truth hebrews 13 hebrews 13 uh, look at verse 9 be not carried away with diverse and strange doctrines for it is a good thing the heart be established with grace not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein go back to uh, psalm 112 he should not be afraid of evil tidings his heart is fixed trusting in the laws it was possible for an old testament saint to really be full of the full of the holy ghost as it would be for us today when bad news came like it would uh, for daniel not to panic not to 
start to wring his hands and start to panic and to face it head on throughout the book of Daniel uh, he's told this, the, that, a, that, a, that a decree has been issued that if any man prays to his God for 30 days except uh, via the king he goes into the lion's den and the moment he makes the moment he's made aware of that decree he goes in his room gets onto his knees morning noon night windows wide open one of those Gentiles watching him trying to trap him and of course uh, catch him he couldn't care less that's an Old Testament saint not in the least bit bothered about what would come down the line For the New Testament Paul said I could do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me the apostles went through awful trials and tribulations and this sometimes causes confusion amongst those of us which are pre-tribulation like why should we, why should we be spared the great tribulation because of course the great tribulation is Jacob's trouble Jacob is Israel Israel's trouble it's not the church's trouble God isn't going to send strong delusion onto the church to take the mark of the beast and go to hell forever of course not but those that are the goats those that aren't yet saved and never will be saved they will take the mark of the beast they will, they will go through that period of time the great tribulation isn't for the church it's for the world and by the grace of God during that period of time yes people do get saved Revelation 7 more corners of the earth but the church isn't there the church is in heaven with the Lord so that's one of the reasons why we the church don't go through the tribulation but the point is in the Old Testament uh, you can uh, you can pray for your enemies to be destroyed but Christ will say Father forgive them for they don't know what they do his heart is established verse 8 he shall not be afraid like Daniel until he see his desire upon his enemies Esther another good example she says to uh, the king and uh, Mordecai also they asked the king to destroy their enemies and uh, for days weeks going into months thousands of Gentiles are just wiped out due to the king's decree to punish them for their involvement to attack and at least try to eliminate the Jews Old Testament saints could pray that prayer and get it fulfilled but not for the New Testament Hebrews 13 again verse 9 be not carried about with diverse different and strange doctrines foreign doctrines don't be carried away with these don't be fearful for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace not with meats throughout the dietary restrictions the belief that somehow meats can get you closer to God like uh, breaking bread in the sense of the Catholic Church's view that somehow taking the Eucharist like the Catholics do that somehow that will establish you with grace it doesn't make any difference it has no relevance to your standing or even to your state it's completely uh, immaterial which have not profited them that have been occupied therein go back to Psalm 112 look at verse 9 he hath dispersed he hath given to the poor his righteousness endureth forever his horn shall be exalted with honor horn his uh, power his strength an animal has horns when they lock horns use that term all the time don't we would say uh, we locked horns him and I a while ago we locked horns yesterday it's a picture of a fight it's a commotion so excuse me second uh, Corinthians 9 second Corinthians uh, 9 and uh, look at verse 9 as it is written he hath dispersed abroad he hath given to the poor his righteousness remaineth forever imputation first and foremost 
but also in reference to living a righteous life, the power to live like you should, the power to move and operate and function like you should. As it is written, quoting Psalm 112, He hath dispersed abroad, come back to glory, He hath given to the poor, poor in spirits, but also financially poor. The early church were very poor, a level of poverty that few of us can really relate to in the 21st century. And like I say, Second Corinthians is a great passage uh, to read. In fact, from Second Corinthians 8, look at verse uh, 2, 3 and 4. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were winning of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us a fellowship of the ministering to the saints. You've got poor Christians wanting to give money to poor Christians. You've got poor Jews suffering terribly in Judea. Go back to Psalm 112 and taking support from the wealthier Gentiles who weren't particularly wealthy themselves. That's the, uh, the great contradiction, as it were. Poor given to the poor. And the wealthy, for the most part, just storing up wealth for heaven, so on and so forth. Storing up wealth themselves and not putting it into the kingdom of heaven. He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness enjoyeth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honour. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. That's a loaded verse. Go to uh, Matthew 13, first of all. Matthew chapter 13. And uh, pick it up in 40. Uh, 41. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. Going back to uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But of course, they're righteous people being put into a furnace of fire. But here the Lord will take that picture and inflict it on the, on the wicked, of course. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And of course, there's no literal teeth in hell. Because, of course, the body has been burnt to a crisp. But inside of our bodies, we have souls. And our souls are bodily shaped based on uh, Revelation chapter 6. So when somebody's in a car crash and they lose half an arm or the whole arm or a leg or half of a leg or a foot or half of a foot, they still feel the pain endings. We knew a guy many years ago. He was in a uh, motorbike accident. Yeah. End up in a wheelchair, lost both of his legs, and he could still feel his legs, he would say, for years afterwards. And of course, what's he feeling? He's feeling the nerve endings. But he's also feeling his, or he's aware of his soul, which is a body, bodily shape. So the teeth here, of course, not literal teeth, the teeth fall out of your mouth when you die and you're, and you're buried, of course. But my physical body reflects my internal body, my invisible body. That's why the soul, I believe, is a bodily shape. There shall be wailing. That's like screaming and shouting, wailing. You think of a woman who's just lost her child, she's wailing. It's a terrible thing, wailing. And gnashing of teeth, like your teeth are crashing together. You're terrified. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter. Let's see, Second Thessalonians chapter. 
through, make a chapter one. Uh, one. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse six. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, uh, recompense to pay back, to reinflict it on them that trouble you, which is relevant for today, and to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just a quick footnote, the term to obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ means to believe. Paul speaks about the obedience of faith found in the book of uh, Romans. You're not saved by obeying the Lord. You're not kept saved by obeying the Lord. You are saved by believing on the Lord. Get that clear and you won't have any troubles with Lordship, salvation, people. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Everlasting destruction. It never ends. People say, well, hell can't go on forever. Yes, it can go on forever because, of course, God is forever. Man was made for perfect, eternal, unconditional fellowship with God Almighty. That's the whole purpose of man being put onto the earth in the first place. Man wasn't made for hell. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. That's why hell goes on forever. That's why heaven goes on forever. Because man has an eternal soul. It doesn't end. It's eternal. Because God is eternal. I find it st st staggering sometimes. Uh... Just staggering when it comes to uh, uh, people who think that uh, hell isn't forever, but heaven is, and of course they are both eternal. They go forever. You can't pick or choose. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints, and to be admired in all them that believe, because a testimony among you was believed in that day. Go back to Psalm 112, verse 10 again. The wicked shall see it. They'll see their teeth gnashing they'll see themselves uh, burning up in hell going back to uh, Isaiah uh, 14 and Ezekiel uh, 28 there's talking in hell also first death first death not the second and that's an awful picture of what will take place down the line for those that die outside of the grace of God the wicked shall see it number one and be grieved they'll be grieved over their own pitiful fallen state They'll be grieved over the fact they are now in hell forever. Can't get out. They'll be grieved with the reality that they're going to die in their sins. And never be satisfied. He shall gnash with his teeth. Going back to Matthew 13 and elsewhere. And melts away. But of course he doesn't completely melt away. He's going to be burning for all of eternity. You think back to. Uh, was it 1963 when Kennedy was shot. They put the eternal flame in Arlington Cemetery. When I was there back in 2000, wasn't saved at the time, and that flame is always burning, doesn't uh, burn up, but it went out once apparently back in the 80s, somebody had a bit of fun with it, blew it out, and of course it quickly relit it, but that's a picture of hell, where the flame always is, is always burning, and uh, you're always suffering, wicked shall see it, and be grieved, he shall gnash with his teeth, and melts away, in a sense, uh, his desires will melt away, but also in the sense of he'll melt away, he, he will like uh, cease to exist. It's like he never lived to begin with. Scripture, about, scripture speaks about having names blotted out of the Lord's book. There's two books in scripture, 
at least two books. You have the, you have, you have the uh, excuse me, you have the Lamb's Book of Life, which uh, once your name goes in, can never be uh, removed. You have the Book of Life, where all of our names go in the moment we are born. And if you die in your sins, your name is taken out of that book. Again, it's like you never existed to begin with. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Revelation speaks about they want to die and won't be able to do so. And you've got a very clear picture here of the wicked perishing, uh, which is an awful old English term for being destroyed, lost for all of eternity, <coughs> perishing. But the, it says here the desire of the wicked shall perish the desire to drink to consume this or that to engage in this or that the desires are gonna uh, the desire of the wicked shall perish they're gonna perish you're gonna want it but not be able to have it you'll be melting and yet not being completely consumed you'll be gnashing with your teeth and not able to stop it's like having hiccups hiccups for two three four five days Pope Pius XII had hiccups for days before he died. I mean, day after day after day after day, it's, it's a form of torture. Or shingles, you're in a dark room, uh, curtains closed, you can't get any rest, your body's just in absolute pain and agony. It's a picture of hell. The wicked shall see it, they'll see their own demise and be grieved, grieved with themselves, grieved with God, grieved with their families, grieved with the church, grieved with those of us which are saved. Uh, because they didn't listen to us or some of us didn't tell them the gospel he shall gnash with his teeth the melt away just burning always burning melting away but not completely being consumed the desire of the wicked twice shall perish so it's a strange psalm this starts off on a positive note praise the lord which in hebrew is uh hallelujah happy is the man blessed is the man that feareth the lord that delighted greatly in his commandments that's aimed at the righteous first and foremost but it ends in reference to the wicked the unrighteous who don't want this glory who don't want this peace of joy and happiness and satisfaction and as a result of that they go into hell for all of eternity and suffer the consequences so it's a double application psalm it's got two parts to it the righteous and the unrighteous a positive and a negative which is very typical of the scripture the Ten Commandments are mostly negative. Negative as far as fallen man is concerned. You can't do this, you can't do that. But you should honor your father and mother. And you should uh, love the Lord, uh, the Lord your God. And love your neighbors yourself. But you've got a load of negative commandments there. Which shows the dual application to the word of God. So we'll close it there. Like I say, just ten verses. Looking at this particular psalm. Trying to work out who and what God is. His true characters. His characteristics his nature his glory while at the same time realizing that not everybody goes to heaven like verse 10 in fact most people will not go to heaven like verse 10 only a few and i mean a few will go to glory in every generation you've got a few who will be saved and the vast majority will go into hell where they'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and that's why we do street work uh, at our ministry and we are on outreach at the moment and we thank uh, the Lord for his blessings upon us and we hope and pray that when we leave uh, outreach tomorrow that some of the people that we've spoken to and have seen our banner taken our tracks will repent receive the gospel get saved not find themselves in that lake of fire weeping and wailing and gnashing their teeth grieving over this grieving over that it's a powerful word grief grieving not just mourning you're grieving 
That's what the unrighteous do. They grieve. They grieve the loss of a loved one. They grieve their fate, their hopeless state, hopeless and helpless, just forsaken, just completely desolate, uh, because, of course, they chose to walk away from the Lord and do their own thing. And, of course, life is so short. Three score and ten, if you're fortunate, which is nothing in all of eternity. So we'll close it there and uh, come back next week and look at another psalm. Amen and amen.